The battle of Britain is about to begin. Welcome back to the Lead Pursuit Podcast. Tonight, we're going to give you a debrief of Adepticon 2022. So tonight, my team joining me is the guys that were there. We, you know, we didn't kick Casey off the podcast, but work called and he couldn't make it. So he's not going to be with us tonight to uh, commiserate about his not attending uh, Adepticon. But joining me tonight, I have the man who needs no introduction, the only human being to consume both pineapple and guava margaritas in one seat sitting, Steve Toth. Steve, how you doing? Hola, how is everybody tonight? And our next guest, the only man who can say with a straight face, I'm here for the face painting, is none other than Brett Cantor. Brett, how you doing? I'm doing good, and I think I was the one wearing the summer. Well, yeah, you were, and thankfully, I don't have the photographic evidence of that, so <laughs> we'll we'll make good use of that at some point. Don't worry, don't worry. We'll act like that never happened. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, awesome. Thanks for uh, joining me tonight. Uh, wanted to talk a lot about Adepticon, what we saw, what was good, what was not so good, um, and kind of give people our take on things. Uh, but a quick bit of background. So that was uh, the 23rd through the 27th of March. We actually got there uh, a day early, got there on Tuesday, uh, kind of hung out. And then uh, Steve, you rolled in Wednesday afternoon so we could then do our quick get together and dinner and kind of have our lead pursuit board meeting uh, and uh, figure out what we're doing for the next year. Um, but then obviously Wednesday night was the opening of registration. And so Wednesday, uh, hundreds and hundreds of nerds were lined up. It was, it was epic and it didn't quite smell bad yet. Did it <laughs> not yet? That was kind of a funny scene because we decided not to change from our suit jackets and stuff and just go. Oh yeah. Line, so, right? so it was like, why are you guys exactly? So why are you guys so dressed up? And of course my standard line was, oh, this isn't the insurance salesman conference. I must be in the wrong registration line. Um, but, uh, you know, people were there and they were already wearing bathrobes. So I guess bathrobe guy is a, is a thing. Uh, some of them were already three sheets to the wind, uh, which was awesome because the guy behind me was uh, about as drunk as I wanted to be, um, but was sadly sober. But uh, so it was, it was a fun time going through registration. Uh, but of course, uh, none other than John Fog of War Russell shows up and uh, he intercepts us, pulls us out of the correct line, puts us in the wrong line, tries to hook us up and, uh, and sends us, you know, 10 minutes later through uh, registration. But I thought it was pretty quick and painless. Uh, good setup getting through registration. Um, I will make the point that, uh, you know, people were obviously upset about the requirements to test or to be vaccinated. That was super easy. They were uh, super, uh, super flexible, taking a look whether you had hard copy, digital copy, digital photo of your vaccination card, um, digital photo of your vaccination card from a Yahoo group somewhere reshared via the Russians. Uh, <laughs> it didn't, didn't really matter. They were good about getting you in there, uh, getting you banded and getting registered. 
and then the gratuitous consumption began. So, Steve, you and I grabbed these nice little orange swag bags. You know, the the uh, the lesser children's swag bag. Oh, really, Brett? You got You got to make comment about size. Does size matter, really? Yeah, I mean. Apparently, with swag bags, size does yeah. matter. I mean, I think we learned that lesson. Well, right you then. know, at least the fact is, I didn't have to bring my friends to bring all my swag. You know, so so you know, Brett standing there with his VIG, uh, I, I want to call it a VIG bag. It should have been called the like the VIG trunk of uh, yeah, like a shopping cart, of <laughs> a shopping stuff, cart right? of swag. And you, yeah, and reminded me of those old Nickelodeon games where you'd like you know the Nickelodeon game show where they'd let you just run around a toy store yeah, with a shopping whatever cart you or could. whatever you could fit in. Yeah, to keep. yeah, exactly. Brett, what was your take on the VIG? Oh, yeah. oh, it was huge. Yeah, it was actually really hard to carry out to the parking lot one with one person. It was like a two man lift. It was a lot of stuff. In fact, it was so much stuff. I was, there was no way around it. I, my, I was, uh, overweight on my bags home. It cost me an extra hundred bucks to get yeah, home. Yeah, so congratulations so I, <laughs> on paying to be in the VIG yeah. raffle and paying to bring home all your VIG. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that happened. Well, you know, uh, I, I kind of laughed because even the regular swag bag was awesome. Uh, you know, between, there was stuff for God tier in there. Obviously, you got an entire uh, Age of Sigmar uh, Dominion kit so huge amount of uh, GW swag being given out there. So that's probably like 200 or 300 of those uh, big box sets they gave away. Um, crap, I can't even remember half the stuff. There was there was just a ton of it. I think that Dominion box was probably like the like the, the, the big yeah. prize in yeah. the VIG bag, kind of like, um, what was it last year? Was, or last Star Trek Ascendancy was the big box got... game the previous time, and then there yeah. was uh, Song of Ice and box. Fire. Um that's that whole starter kit where like all of us got those. I think that was in the, the basic swag bag even one year. So there was a, there was a God tear, God tier game where is it tier or tear? Is it, it's big, like lead pursuit lead or lead. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, but it was a pretty cool starter set. That was another big box too. And I got the, like the big Mongo starter box and everybody else got, like, yeah, we, we got like expansions, a, a like like five thing, five yeah. miniature faction expansions that we just gave to you because I'm like, I'm not going to play this. <laughs> Look, Gavin's already been on the floor in his room playing with those you know big epic battles on oh, the nice. floor, messing around with those miniatures. That's already happened. Nice. Yeah, what else? Uh, I'm trying to think of anything else big that was in the swag some, bag. Uh, what was the other good stuff? There was some cool like terrainy mat type stuff, right? Like those cardboard mats that were pretty cool that were good for photo backdrops. Yeah, that's there right. GW some, gave uh, everybody in the swag bag uh, their their Mechanicus terrain or Mechanicum terrain uh, base board thing. So that was big chunk cardboard that, like you said, made for good backgrounds. Some, yeah, that was pretty uh, big. What was the the Marvel game? Everybody got some of the Marvel right. uh, got Crisis Protocol oh, yeah. uh, uh, Crisis Protocol figures. That was kind of cool, right? I got a, I got a big Legion uh, hero. It was a fairly big box. It was like three miniatures to, for Yoda. I don't know, know the game very well, but uh, somebody that plays it was in our first painting class. I was telling him about it, and he was all excited about it. So I offered it up to him, and he was he he chased me down to get it. So. It was good yeah, it, it was an awesome swag bag. You know, every every year there's stuff being given away by the vendors. Uh, there's you know always coins. There's markers. There's all kinds of good stuff that end up in the swag bag. And this year was no exception. I was just happy to foist off a lot of it on you, Brett. <laughs> oh, I forgot. I forgot. I got the I got the 
squadron box. The oh, BF-109. that's right. How could we forget the? Oh, they're the they're the new resin BF109s, right? Right. Oh, oh no! Oh, they're, they're not the collector's edition original. Really, they're ones. collector's edition bendy plastic 109s. That's awesome. I've only got like ten of those sitting in the Lead Pursuit warehouse. Yeah. Well, that will be a recurring theme with Warlord Games for uh, <laughs> for this this event. But you know, hey, at least Blood Red Sky stuff is being given out. Um, I I know it was good because there were some VIG winners that were like, "Ooh, look what I got! I got Blood Red Skies," and so we could sucker them into playing some games. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, I was hoping it'd be something much better, at least in the VIG. So that's all right. Now, what I will say is. It was cool. Uh, as usual, they had uh, a lot of coin support. So there's a there was a limited edition coin this year again. There were pins for this year. Um, for Brett and I, there were pins that I thought were kind of cool, and I was pretty proud to put on my you know man purse as I carried it around. Uh, you know the Ancient Order of Adepticon and Brett. How did we get uh, that pin? Oh, I think that's because we. Paid, you know, we because we let it ride go, we from, paid everything. from the last time. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, we just let them keep everything instead of getting. Yeah, exactly. Out. We we opted, um, and I'm not saying this to be virtue signaling here. Just to let everyone know that there were a lot of us that that just said, "Hey, keep all the swag. Don't ship it to us. Don't refund us our money." We love Adepticon, and we we need you guys to be solvent so we could come back in a later year. Because for me, it was a it was a practical business decision. Was because all of that swag that they would have had to ship us, you know, and then you know if we'd asked for a refund and all these other things, to me that's the kind of money that you throw back into the event because it costs a crap ton of money to run something like this. So they were super cool. They made yeah, limited edition pins for us. They mu- they must have taken a, a big hit, you know, having that thing cancel like that. So that's that was kind of Absolutely. That was my motivation yeah, you know was what? that hey, let them let them do with what they can and it was funny cuz even this year the Adepticon dice showed up like 16 hours after the event closed. Uh, and so they're being good and they're shipping those dice out to everybody uh, who ordered them. But those things are always a drag on an event like this. And and I know that for a lot of people out there, at least on the interwebs, it seems, there's not an appreciation of how hard and how expensive these events are. Uh, so anything that we felt we could do to to just, you know, turn those that money back over to Adepticon um, in the hopes that one of these days we'd, we'd still have an Adepticon and they wouldn't be broke and insolvent uh, and going through bankruptcy. Uh, you know, for us was was worthwhile. So I was pretty happy that they recognized us with a pin. Not like I need a flag to walk through and go, oh, look at me, look at me. I gave my money back. I'm a good guy. Um, who cares? We really don't care. But anyway, so uh, there was some other cool stuff that was in there. Uh, bottle opener, I'm pretty happy about. I'm going to magnetize that, stick it on the side of my beer fridge so I've got my big Adepticon bottle opener uh, for all the gamers that come over to my house to drink beer. Oh, wait, they don't. So... Yeah, I'll have to remedy that situation. Brett, maybe I'll ship it to you so we can put it down in the in the Brett War Room. We play games and drink beer when you come Yeah, here. exactly, exactly. So maybe we need to come back down to Florida. Uh, okay, anything else on Wednesday on the check-in, on the swag bags, any other fun stories to relate? I don't know, selfies with the big uh, life-size Space Marine <laughs> guy, right? I mean, you can't miss out on that. It, it was funny for me to watch throughout the entire weekend who was taking photos in front of the Space Marine, because it wasn't just Games Workshop nerds. So, I mean, I was out there, I took a photo, you guys took photos. Um, There were couples taking a cute photo in front of it. There were, you know, game teams taking a photo out front of it. It it was just funny. So regardless whether you were a GW fan or not, um, everybody was taking photos in front of the um, big boy in blue, 
Uh, so I'm sure Brett was all happy that it was his boys that were featured out there, but that's all right. No big deal. Didn't want a big boy in yellow. That's all right. No big deal. No, it's further proof that Ultramarines are the best. Whatever. <laughs> of course, Steve right now is saying, "What's a Space Marine?" I don't. Even, wh- who are these big, tall guys with funny red eyes? <laughs> that's the thing that Donald Trump started. Yeah, exactly. Right? The, the Space, Space Marine Force was that it? Oh, my bad. Space Marine Force. I'm going to join those guys. They're cool. Uh, yeah. All right. So Thursday, everybody rolled in to uh, to at least hit the vendor hall, uh, see some of the convention. You two weirdos went off to your class that I'll refer to face painting, not like Kid Rock's kind of face painting, but painting of faces with miniature paint. Uh, <laughs> tell us about that. How did that work out? It was a great class. It was uh, Mamacon taught the class, and uh, he had at least two entries in to um yeah golden demon i, I saw two of his I, I think he's won like six golden demons or something in yep, the past yep. so uh so what guys. were his entries real quick while we're talking about because one of them is kind of important for us yeah, yeah he had four entries right i think he'd had his like major large diorama he had a small uh aeronautica imperial aeronautica imperialis fighter he had some little uh like knight holding a banner type thing. And then one other one that I can't remember what it was, but the dude actually won three golden demon yeah. awards just this year. Right. So the, I mean, if, if the guy can paint, so taking a class with him was just super, super awesome. Yeah. He was super laid back and cool too. It was, he was really a cool guy. I, I mean, I'd never met him before, but taking a class with him, you know, he, the instruction was really good, but he was also, just super cool, you know, and real humble and stuff. Easy to talk to, and you know. Oh, you anyway, mean not like most of the people place. painting stuff for the Golden Demon? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I mean, I I don't have any preconceptions, but he was really approachable. I guess is a thing. You know, it was really clear he was a really obvious, obviously a super stellar painter. But he didn't, you know, talk about himself and like, well, you know, I don't know. It's just it, you just felt like. He was a cool cat to yeah, learn from. Yeah. That's all. Well, I'm glad you guys got to do that. I spent most of my time in the vendor halls figuring out where I could spend lots of money uh, or arcing around doing event organizer things, trying to figure that out. But uh, we all kind of linked up later that afternoon uh, into the early evening to play. Drum roll, please. Aerodrome 2.0. So uh, that's all Steve's fault. I, I blame him. It has nothing to do with us interviewing anyone else or having seen it for years or any of those things. Uh, but it was, uh, it was a good time. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I had not spent a whole lot of time looking at aerodrome other than seeing the, the big display and how everything was done. Uh, Brett, what were your thoughts playing aerodrome since uh, it was also your first time out there? I, I thought it was super fun. The presentation was awesome. And, you know, I was actually, I think I might've said this out loud a couple of times that I couldn't believe that this isn't a game that, I mean, I presume that it's not a game you can play outside of a convention like this. It's some guys that go around and you can sign up to play, and but it's not like you can go out and purchase this game and play at home with your friends. But dang, it ought to be. It's so much fun. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. And, you know, let's be honest, 75% of that was Mark and his way of hosting the event. So there's there's one of these true things that regardless of whether a game is good, bad, indifferent, otherwise, you know, written on the back of a bar napkin, uh, the the people who present it and who host the game 
in a lot of ways, make the game. And we had a lot of fun. And the interaction driven throughout the whole game, you know, we, we've talked about on the podcast previously, the, the pre-plotted movement. And there were a few times that it, it felt a little, I don't want to say hokey, but a little frustrating that, that how could I have missed that opportunity? But it was also a heck of a lot of fun and it was challenging. Uh, and it certainly was not X-Wing with pre-plotted movement where you end up turning the wrong directions and never getting getting back in the same uh, piece of sky. So I enjoyed peppering both of your you know aircraft with uh, with bullets at various times. Uh, and uh, we had we had a wide variety of people playing. So we obviously had some Blood Red Skies players. We had some non-BRS. Uh, we had some younger players as well out there uh, flying on our side, on the Allied side. Uh, up against you guys flying 109s. But I, I really enjoyed the system. I think uh, my biggest takeaway was I enjoyed the maneuvers. And we'll talk about it a little bit, not in this episode, probably. It's probably when we talk more in detail about Aeronautica Imperialis. The one thing I really liked was you had to constantly think about your altitude trade-offs. So a lot of those maneuvers either forced you to trade altitude, gain or lose, or then gave you an option. And so you had to make sure you picked the right one there. So, um, you know, it probably was a fairly straightforward matchup of us with Spitfires and you all with Hurricanes. I know Brett was disappointed not to have a great climb card by where he could screw all of, all of his buddies. Uh, but it was it was certainly fun for me. Um, Steve, you've played before. You played the Jet version. What was it like playing the World War II version? I, I really liked it. You know, uh <clears throat> Excuse me. I was asked, you know, a couple times by Mark which one I preferred, and truthfully, both very fun. Tough to pick a favorite. Uh, yeah, it was fun. I thought it was cool that uh, we got some people in that game that wound up coming to try out BRS. You know, so that was that was pretty cool. We picked up a couple people to do that, but uh, yeah, just a fun time. And Mark did a great great job hosting it. And I'm have my eye on the mailbox for my uh, kill wings <laughs> to show up here any day now in the mail. Exactly. I, I got mine there. So uh, thanks to Mark for. Uh, throwing the swag my way for earning my uh, my first kill there, it you know it really was an enjoyable game for me, and I'd like to see how the jets play and how different they feel because I know you you've played both, so you've been able to compare. Um, hopefully, we'll have a chance at NashCon this year. So shameless plug for NashCon uh, in the middle of August. Uh, that will be in yes Nashville, obviously. Um, but uh, Aerodrome is going to be there. We're going to at least I'm going to be there. I don't know if anyone else in the uh, lead pursuit team will make it. Uh, I think your boot budget is probably spent for the year there, Steve. So <laughs> yeah, I, I can't afford NASCON, <laughs> exactly. man. I mean, three pairs of boots. You later. give me the option. You give me the option of taking my whole family to Disney for two weeks or NASCON. Yeah. I'll, have to, I'll have to go to Disney. I mean, it was NASCON was a tough I don't one. Don't blame you. Yeah, so th- I'll definitely be up there. It's, it's in my backyard. There's there's truly no reason uh, for me not to go to NASCON. Uh, so we'll be there. I think we'll do a, a Blood Red Skies tournament and hopefully some demo games and have some fun. But um, if you have not tried Aerodrome and you're an aeronautical gamer, uh, absolutely try it. Uh, you know, I think uh, they'll probably do mostly 2-0 games at NashCon, but we'll see. Um, and I, I'm definitely on board to, uh, to play again, to try again, and uh, hopefully uh, fly a little bit better than I did this last time. But I didn't get shot down, so that's all I care about. <laughs> I only slightly got peppered with bullets, but that's all right. My my plane must have been smoking the entire game because I think I was down to like yeah two I, I hit think I was I kept trying to get game. trying to rendezvous on you put the last uh, you know last few bullets in to finish you off and it didn't work out for me in that last one but that's uh, that's fine I'll tell you most of the time I ran out of ammo before uh, anything but that's because I was spraying and praying and hoping that someone would end up in front of me 
Um, but uh, yeah, super fun game. Uh, obviously, Mark did a great job hosting it. I think uh, I saw some uh, some posts. I, I think you can play it on your own because I think they are. There's some limited number of those displays being sold. I think at least what I saw uh, in one of the um, Aerial War Games uh, Facebook posts. Uh, so yeah, if if people are interested, absolutely go check it out. Lots of fun to play. Uh, they had a really fun uh, something I thought was really kind of cool was their. Uh, critical hit mechanic yeah. where there was that slight chance that like your your ailerons would stick or you know whatever i, I wish i could I, I wish i had the presence of mind to make a middle note of all the different critical hit yeah potential the, things that could happen because it could be a good add-on the, those to, were you know, fun and they were secret which was the nice thing so generally if you did it right the enemy didn't know what they'd done to you but they they just could watch you and go oh he can't climb or he's stuck flying straight forward you know things like that so um that, that was a cool mechanic. So the rest of our time was spent in the vendor hall. And I say that with an ominous tone. Um, because, you know, I, I'm always happy to go through the vendor hall. There's so many cool things to see, so many cool people to interact with. Um, for me, getting to obviously talk to the Warlord Games crowd. They're there. We see them all the time. Um, got to see Phil from Sherwood War Games, so that's always a good time to catch up with him. Um, it was a good time to talk to the guys at Death Ray Designs who had provided me the terrain that was the underlayment for some of our Aeronautica stuff. Um, so to talk about them and talk what worked well, uh, what they had in the pipeline. Um, but, but there was a moment where I was not proud to be a Lead Pursuit member. And I haven't released the photos publicly because it, it shames me it, it shames me greatly um, that I'd, I'd made the laps around and I, I saw the cool wargaming things, the cool sci-fi things, the cool board games, the neat hobby stuff. And I did see the display of, yes, my little ponies as chibis. And I walked right past. But, but then you two, you, you planted the flag there as if daring me to document the fact that you were haggling to buy Chibi My Little Ponies. Please, please justify yourself to the Lead Pursuit listenership. How is this possible? Dude, I mean, I, I, I don't really think I need to make an excuse for being, you know, an amazing father. I mean, is that something I have to justify to our listeners? That's not something that... I can just be proud of doing, right? I mean, yes, come on, yes, man. you could have a college fund for them. A college fund, that would be being an amazing father. Buying chibi ponies as a middle-aged man is a little disturbing. <laughs> well, prior prior to seeing the chibi ponies, we did have a college fund and now that's been <laughs> spent on chibi ponies. So. <laughs> Brett, yeah, I'm, I'm more of instant gratification yeah, kind of guy for exactly, my kids, Exactly, you know? exactly. Brett, defend yourself cuz you too, you were right there. Yeah, I was right there. Uh, well, uh, they were pretty cool. I mean, even though they were My Little Ponies, they were pretty neat models. And I was thinking that that photo might make for a good episode, like cover photo. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There's potential. I, th- there. I think it is. Yeah. Either that, or it's a good Grognard Gazette photo. So that and they weren't all ponies. They were not all ponies. Oh, okay, so there were dragons in unicorns in, in full defense there, there were there were many other little chibi miniatures and they were well done so so in the process of me making fun of this they they were well done but i think what's even funnier is the fact that didn't you double down didn't you actually buy more chibi my little ponies than you originally intended 
that <laughs> that did happen. Yeah, I mean, it did happen. I don't have anything. You just I can't don't defend yourself. It, it did happened. Happen. Okay. I just want, I just uh, want to make sure a, everyone a, is clear on this. So. Yeah, there was a misstep with the charge on the on the credit card, and I kind of did, you know, the Doug and said just let yeah, it ride, and they exactly. just gave me just, more handfuls of more TV TV. ponies, and we just I, called I, it. I've, I've, I've already shamed myself and the Lead Pursuit crew. It can't get any worse at this point, so just keep shoveling them on. All right, that, that's fair enough. Um, uh, what did the girls? Yeah, say so so that is the real point. Is, is, is have they seen? Yeah, have these they seen these? Or are you, are you hiding them in your hobby area? <laughs> I'm hiding them. No, oddly enough, uh, they did like them, but in like true form, we got that free like cheesy box of tank games. So I brought, got all these chibi ponies, and thought they were gonna love them, and. The first thing they said was, oh, can we put together some tanks? So I was like, yes. oh. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, doing something right at least. Exactly. Oh, well, that's funny. That's that's standard. You know, kids will enjoy the box that the toy came in rather than the actual toy. So, uh, But that wasn't the only uh, frustration that happened. So I know we were making our last walk through and, and Brett was rolling by waiting to buy the exact motorcycle for his bolt action army. Now... I am gonna I'm gonna take a step back and we're gonna pick on a vendor here, but we're also gonna absolutely increase the hyperbole and we're gonna make this as funny as possible. So we know mistakes happen. We know not everybody knows every single bit of information about every piece of model gear they have. But this was a this was a moment of sad Brett. So so it makes me happy to relate the story a little bit. Um, but Brett, you don't get to tell the story. Steve and I get to tell parts of the story first. So we roll up and Brett is all excited to buy a specific model of BMW motorcycle. And it's going to be an R75 motorcycle. And it's going to have the exact Eastern front late war, right? Late mid to late war kind of figures. Yes. Sidecar with 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 a sidecar, the exact model that I need. And he knows this. He's seen it. He's looked at it on the internet. And the vendor goes, yeah, yeah, man, no problem. This one right here is the same one. It just, it's got a different box art on it. And of course, Steve and I kind of look at each other like, okay, maybe it does. But I thought Brett had researched this. And Brett, Brett, what was going on in your mind at this time? What what were you thinking as you had your hands on the model and and you're getting a little bit of that, that adrenaline rush? I was all excited to get the motorcycle, but I remember I said to the guy like, okay, I got this particular army. Is this going to... Is this going to work out for me? Because I, I seem to recall there, there's there's different ones. He's like, oh, no, no, you're good. You're good. He's like, I'll tell you what, I give it to you for 20 bucks. I'm like, man, good to go, right? I'm all excited. So. <laughs> what was the MSRP for that? <laughs> yeah. I walk out the door. I'm reading the box, like the back of the box, because I'm all excited. Like, it's got the description of what's it, you know, what the contents are. And the one I got was, you know, it was an R75 motorcycle. That's all good, but it was a an Africa core one. So the figures that go inside were Africa core figures, which won't match, you know, the army that I'm building and stuff. And, um, on top of that, dang sticker says 19 bucks. You know, (laughs) you you got got upcharged and got the wrong figures. You got the great deal. Oh yeah. So, and I, I bring that up not to, not to MF a specific vendor because this kind of stuff always happens and, and people are, are wheeling and dealing and they're doing it all day and they're trying to make deals. Um, and it was just funny because it was like the perfect storm. And and Brett gets back to the hotel and looks at his box and it's like, wait, this this isn't what I what I wanted. <laughs> so we had sad Brett that evening and went 
I felt like the guy down in storage area B from uh, Office yeah, Space. Yeah, exactly. You, know, the can yeah, you promised me there'd be cake and there was no cake. And they, they, they said they were going to take the roaches down here, but that, there's, no, there's no roach spray. <laughs> yeah, you you were yeah you were definitely uh, that guy. So, but they remedied it. So you, you went back, you got it fixed, did, did the swap out. Um, but uh, but it's funny because because it's something to always think about at conventions. Um, I. Normally, I'm very guilty of it. This year was the first year I didn't have, uh, as I call it, vendor fever. It's kind of like buck fever, taking that shot before you're ready. Um, I really only bought a handful of things, and I did not do a lot of the impulse buy, where it's like, oh, that's cool. Ooh, look at that. What, let's go get one of those. Or, hey, this is the only thing I need. Um, I think the only impulse buy I did was buying a set of ultramarine dice so that you couldn't buy them, because that made me all warm and fuzzy inside. <laughs> Uh, but uh, but that was my denial list for the uh, for the the vendor walkthrough. Um, I didn't really find much else. Did it, bought a couple sets of chits, um, and then uh, you know kind of kind of arced around and looked at all the games that I wanted to play but didn't want to buy a starter set for. So I actually showed great restraint. That R seventy five was kind of like my biggest like impulse buy. I got some Arena Rex models and stuff. I mean. That yeah, was, let's clarify that. So, so what impulse, game did Chris get out of after the last Adepticon? He got out of Arena Rex, and you two just got back into Arena Rex. Awesome, good planning. <laughs> well, just like him, we don't have anybody to play with, so that's why he got yeah. into his. But we, Steve and I justified it. We said, "Well, we'll see each other at the occasional con, and maybe you know, if we go to Adepticon every year, maybe it'll be a reason to buy like another, like collect the next." arena rex model whatever they were cool yeah, models their models are awesome for they're, three, they're, so. they're super cool um i i just i realize i'm never gonna play it so i'm not gonna buy in but that's dude there i think was more arena rex events going on like continuously throughout the weekend than like any other i mean besides like 40k or anything like that they they were gaming all weekend with that game. It was nuts over there in the little like side thing next to the vendor hall that, that arena rex was going strong See, Chris, if you're listening to the podcast, instead of playing Gigolo to Ukrainian refugee grandmothers, you could have been here at Adepticon playing Arena Rex. But no, no, it was more important for you to be in Europe. So congratulations on doing your part for the insurgency. But anyway, I must move on. Uh, Vendor Hall, anything else? Any other crazy expenditures, at least on the first day? I got a few paints and stuff, but nothing big. I mean, the, the Arena Rex was like the most expensive purchase. The R75 wasn't an expensive right. model, obviously. It was just a more like impulsive thing because I just saw it. I was like, wow, cool. <laughs> wow, cool. I got screwed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's all right. Okay, so I did show solidarity, though. I really wanted that Jeep. And after Brett got so disappointed, I said, no. Damn I'm it, not I'm not buying that Jeep. Jeep. I'm going to ruin my day was, because was, Brett's day was ruined, too. Exactly. What a team player. Wow. I know why we keep you around now. All right. So. Oh, should we tell them about the world of tanks? Should we not even call the guys out? I guess it's too late because I've already said you, it. We're going to call them out. Let, let, let's call. Did okay. you guys ask? Did you ask on, on Thursday or did you ask on Friday? Yeah, I think we asked I on thought that Thursday, was a Thursday right? night. Came, I, th- I thought it was a Friday story. Several that's days a, that's a Friday story. Hold that story to Friday. Okay. Okay. And then all you right. can call out all those right, guys. So, uh, Friday, yeah, cause they had partied hard on Thursday night. So Gale Force nine had a good time Thursday night. We knew that, uh, we, uh, I don't know what we did Thursday night, not party. Um, I think we had dinner somewhere reasonable. <laughs> so Friday, 
uh, did a midway dogfight demo game first thing in the morning. That was a lot of fun. Had some good interest. Had some uh, people that had never played. Had some people that were about to play in the tournament the next day show up. Uh, so that was good. Had a chance to go through and do just some basic dogfight stuff and just do an intro demo game. I enjoyed it. You guys went back for more painting with Brett. I broke my gear, you know, my broke my airbrush. Uh, you know, uh, you you had a little bit of uh, technical difficulties there at the beginning, right? No way, man. It, it was awesome. The class was awesome. What I discovered, though, was that the stuff I was using at home was completely broken, right? Right, that's, right. That, that's what I learned in my class. You're yeah. like, wow, this airbrush is amazing. It works awesome and doesn't spatter everywhere. Why is my home one so crappy? Because you broke it. Yeah, my airbrush at home was no better than a rattle can at best, Right. Which and is that, pretty amazing when you see the work that you've done with it. So it's pretty funny that I'm like, well, shit, maybe we should just give him a rattle can and take away his airbrush. <laughs> if you would have been sitting next to him, you would have a real appreciation for how amazing it is that he painted those ships with that airbrush. Because when he plugged in his airbrush, it looked like he butchered a pig full of Steinolrise primer. <laughs> primer. That's what it looked like. I mean, he was covered in black primer, oh. leaking all over the place. It was amazing. Nice. nice. I'm glad I was not there, but instead teaching people to play Blood Red Sky. But, but you know, because we're not going to miss a chance to make fun of people. Um, from what you guys told me, everybody was in that class to learn except one guy. Is this the class that had the dude up front or was that uh, Mamet Constance? No, class? that was the face oh, painting the face class. Painting class. So, yeah. well, we we got to bring this up. <laughs> so who goes to a painting class to spend more time talking about themselves than learning from the instructor? Yeah, it was nuts. The dude, the dude was just, you know, and the guy actually wound up winning like first place in one of the Golden Demon Awards. I was like, why are you, why, why are, are you here? First place Golden Demons in a in a face painting class. It was really yeah. kind of an interesting yeah. thing. But hey, whatever. Yeah. So at least you guys went through the airbrush class as well. Uh, got a lot out of that. Um, we got another midway game in that evening, and I have to say, you know, huge, huge kudos. Uh, to Mike Lewis uh, for helping us with that because he hopped in and he wanted to demo to a lot of the other historical gamers he knew. Um, so I got to kick back and sit there and try to actually finish the uh, game packet for the Aeronautica game the next day uh, and get ready for that. So that was awesome to see a Blood Red Skies player that we had played with at Siege of Vicksburg actually going out and demoing the game to other historical guys. And the 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 part that warms my heart is Mike Rafferty, the uh, historical coordinator, was in that game, and then now Mike cannot blame me for spending a lot of money on Blood Red Skies. He can blame Mike Lewis because it's his fault, <laughs> not mine. <laughs> I did not demo the game to him, so that was good because uh, once again got to see the community grow a little bit, uh, and we spent some time, uh, you know, doing our own thing, gaming, uh, whatever, uh, on Friday night. All right. Other Friday comments. Oh, Friday. So so Friday, Gale Force 9. So wait. So you guys, after your face painting, or actually after your airbrush painting class this time, so your spray painting, um, you decide, let's go get a demo of World of Tanks, right? Wah, wah. How did that work out? <laughs> yes. Well, Steve and I have been kind of kicking around this notion that there's probably some tank game that's kind of cool with a smaller scale than 28 millimeter, we can make a bunch of tanks and we can make pew pew noises. And lo and behold, we walk past this booth and it's World of Tanks. And they have this these blister packs of all these different tanks and the cutest little Stuke threes and Panzer IVs, you know, all the cool stuff. So um, 
we said to the guys, hey, you guys got doing demo games? We'd really like to check out a demo game. And, you know, Steve and I are like, if this demo game is fun at all, we're buying, like, all the tanks, right? And the guys are like, uh demo game uh, i don't know maybe yeah you know what come around tomorrow maybe i mean they weren't enthusiastic about it at all they i don't know what they were there for uh, to stand around and uh, look good you know between all the models and not demo them i guess everybody already knows everything about world of tanks and you just buy all the models i guess i didn't know anything about it i wanted to see more but uh, they kind of blew us off so that's how that yeah went. well <laughs> more 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 to say about that the next <laughs> exactly day, uh which you know i I bring up one of the weird things this year was historicals were, as we said, exiled uh, to a different hotel. So you had in the Renaissance Schaumburg, the standard venue was where all the sci-fi and fantasy was. And then historical or things similar to historical, like Saga. So when people were playing Saga with giants, they were in the historical venue. Don't worry about it. (laughs) It's not the same as AOS. Um, But all the historicals were in the Hyatt, which was about a five-minute drive away. Uh, not a big deal, but uh, it was it was weird because you didn't have the usual dynamic of if you wanted a demo game, they would point you to the historicals hall and hey, go down there to uh, either Adventure or to Schaumburg or one of the other rooms and go see these guys. They're playing a game. And it was kind of weird for us too with Blood Red Skies because we were not there right next to Warlord like we are at a lot of events where we're doing our demos and stuff right next to the Warlord table. So when somebody comes by and says, hey, what about Blood Red Skies? Then John Russell, in his kilt, stands there and goes, I be at that table there tomorrow at 3 p.m. Um, and then we do our uh, our demo game. But it went that way. So we'll talk more about the split venue towards the end, but let's let's start by saying it made demo games difficult, to say the least. Okay, so Saturday... Big day for Lead Pursuit. A lot of fun. Uh, Wore me the fuck out. (laughs) I should have been the one drinking margaritas at the end of the night, but I had to drive everyone home, so it wasn't me drinking margaritas. Um, Start off with a Blood Red Skies tournament. Six players, small size tournament, you know, a little bit smaller than our usuals uh, of eight players. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, Obviously, uh, Brett and Steve, you guys jumped in uh, and had fun in there. Um, I, I feel like it was a little bit of, uh, of me cleansing my sins from previously. Cause I think Steve was still a little bit bitter that gathering at Eagles, gathering of Eagles, I'd pulled him out. Um, so, you know, I, I let you guys play and let you have fun. Uh, and, uh, it was, it was good for me to, to run the event and sit back. Um, but let's, let's run down the, the winners and the awards. So let's start at the bottom with the mighty blue Falcon, the blue Falcon award. Now, I'll be honest. I've forgotten why we gave it to Don Gilmore. What did he do that was so terrible to everybody? He had the cheatiest dice tower that's, in the history. Ah, that's right. Of I, games I have ever. I have blanked it out of my mind. <laughs> I literally am so scarred from his dice tower that uh, that I'd forgotten. That's why we gave him the Blue Falcon. My entire first game, you guys were like two tables away, and I kept hearing kept hearing you yell something about Blue Falcon, and I was like, man, I wonder what Don's doing down there, man. He's making me proud. I think we swore that he had magnets in his dice and the dice tower to roll out a specific number of sixes. 
because it was. See, I didn't know. I, I thought it was something with this gameplay that he must have been no, doing. It was. Just it was some serious out. Ocean's Eleven type shit going on with that dice tower, man. That thing was just <laughs> sixes all day. It was insane. I saw him pull it out later for AI, and I almost just like flipped yeah, the table. I was exactly. like, yeah, I'm leaving. If there hadn't been five boards on the table, you would have flipped the table. But it was too many miniatures to throw. Yeah. So so Don got the Blue Falcon Award. Uh, flew his George list again. Um, even had a T-shirt. So I got to give him credit. He he. Uh, he was repping his uh, his side the whole way, um, and that was fun. So I was super happy that we got to give a, a Blue Falcon Award um, for for this year's tournament there. Uh, third place, and I will totally mangle his name, uh, Dukovitz, <laughs> I think. Anybody who's got a Vitz in their name, I'm guaranteed to mangle. Um, I'll call him John the Dude. Uh, flying IAR-80s uh, did really well. Uh, and thankfully it didn't seem totally game breaking. I know we've talked about the IAR 80 maybe kind of in that sweet spot, um, of all the aircraft. Uh, but I thought it did really well, especially cause he's a fairly, uh, fairly new player. Um, and it was in there at third place. Super well painted. He scolded me on my third game too. <laughs> he caught one of my, one of my, uh, I don't know. I was caught napping with a, with an ace kind of in the middle of the board. He, everybody in his force got a chance to take their turn Jump with you you were, you were like the village bicycle yeah. everyone had a ride <laughs> I, it, yeah it was a boom factory right in the middle of the board it was awesome yeah so he did well i was, I was happy to see that um and we were, we were all laughing because you know ir80s have kind of been the uh the the sleeper hit i think i think more people look at the stats and play them i think they're going to really enjoy those which is a shameless plug for buy your 3d printed ir80s from lead pursuit um okay second place steve toth flying F four F dash four Wildcats Wildcats really? Yeah, you know the only reason that happened is because uh, we had just uh, recorded the episode that's dropping uh, soon with Leslie and Jason talking about Wildcats, and we had kind of kicked around that a uh, swarm list with Wildcats. So I figured, what the hell, let's give it a shot, and it definitely was effective. But you know the swarm list. Just not feeling like it's a very fun way to play. Like I just, I just didn't really have that much fun gaming it. But yeah, I mean the Wildcats, they can, they can do it. They can get it done. Yep. yep. And you had, I think it was what seven Wildcats uh, out there. Eight, eight Wildcats, wildcats. So four, a couple threes, a couple twos, and Strong. I forget. Yeah, you know, gen- would generic you change, swarm Would list. you change anything based on uh, your play? Uh, I'll tell you what. The first. Uh, I'd never played a swarm list before, so going back, like that first game I played against Don, I would play that game totally differently. Uh, I mean, with the swarm list, you know, getting that extra deployment because most guys are only taking six planes, you know, you really have a chance to kind of gang up on and isolate one element. And uh, if you do that with a swarm list, especially with the Wildcats, you know, it's not like the Yak swarm list with the Yaks have that one firepower. Uh, if you can isolate an element with the Wildcats with that two firepower, you're you're gonna really, like you said, you're gonna farm those boom chits. Yeah. So what's kind of funny to me is you look at how everything uh, laid out with all of the other players, and then ironically, first place, Pat Doyle, and it pains me greatly that my flight school buddy was the number one winner, and I had to recognize him in front of everybody and couldn't just make fun of him. But he went out there with a six Wildcat using F4F-4s. Um, so his list was obviously tweaked a little bit different, had uh, had 
you know, more guys. And I think it had two aces, right, as I recall. Um, so so strong list there. Um, and he came in first place uh, quite handily uh, with, uh, with the lead and the points. Um, so he did well. Um, I'm trying to remember looking at the game matchups, Steve. So let's see here. Uh, it would have been Pat and let's see here. I played Pat one time. My first game yeah, was with I was Pat. about to say, uh, your first one there, Brett, was with Pat. How did that, how did that ace we, work against you? Oh, I think two we had work. a draw. He does not like my denial yeah, list. Yeah, you, you, you both, know, you both got a draw there. Same number of boom chits even, so it was exact same point spread. Mm-hmm. I, I had a similar outcome with him when he played Corsairs. Uh, he, that, and also, I think I used... Uh, Heavy flak presence to good effect in that game yeah. too. So that was, you know, it was it was a not I don't want to say it was a frustrating game for him, but you know that denial list that I like to play sort of denied him some of his advantages. Yeah, and it was so it was, was kind of interesting. This the way this one shook out. Uh, the first pairing messed up the follow on rankings a little bit because the intent was to pair people um, who had not necessarily played against each other. Uh, previously to GOE or whatever, but still put people in kind of a skill bracket. Um, but it ended up being a chance that we didn't get the F4 versus F4 list. So I almost wish we'd had a, a fourth round fly off <laughs> to see to see how that pairing would have gone. There were a few people with uh, that aggressive ace card. Yeah. Is that the one yeah. with the outmaneuver and the shoot at the in the same term? Man, that, that ace card is just... That's that's special, man. When you when somebody plays that on, and you're like, oh, I'm gonna outmaneuver you, and I'm gonna shoot. I mean, if you're thinking about taking an ace list, that that I think is for tournaments the the ace card to go with. I think Don or maybe John had that, or maybe both had that in their list. I, I, somebody played that on me in the later games. I think. Yeah, John had uh, tough as his uh, ace skill, and uh, aggressive was what both of the uh the aces that don had uh played so you you got double teamed with aggressive uh on there so that's that's being a super super uh popular choice um and then a lot of those guys would then also take aggressive tactics uh if it if it matched with their aircraft type um you know obviously for the f4 not near as much than that it was usually defensive tactics uh was uh was the pairing but uh yeah it's 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 super interesting to see which ace um, ace skills were popular and aggressive tactics was the far most popular, uh, doctrine card. Well, okay. So moving on, uh, from that, you know, I gotta say huge props to Adepticon first year we did a blood red skies tournament and they came out the gate with four medals to support us. So that made me uh, feel really good about Adepticon caring about us and, and wanting to give us a good swag to give away, uh, you know, gave us a chance to refine some procedures, gave us a chance to make a new player data form, you know, kind of standardize some things that we'll put out on the website, put into the ready room in case people want to use it as the tournament. And then we got the Warlord Prize support. <laughs> hey guys, what boxes did we get for prize support? Was it more um, collector's edition? Collector's bendy plastic, yep. You know, collector's classic. We'll, we'll call it BRS Classic Edition. How's that? Um, so 
I, I don't say this to minimize, you know, thank you to Warlord as usual for putting surprise support. We, they've given us uh, tournament packs. We opted not to do a tournament pack this time because we're having Adepticon medals. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of different things all laying into it. But it was so funny that uh, the prize support this time was Bendy Plastic, which actually worked out well. So before I, I seem like I'm looking a gift horse in the mouth, um, you know, all the people that had had placed in there and received their uh, Adepticon trophy, uh, they didn't need Bendy Plastic. So what did we turn around and do? We gave Bendy Plastic to the guy that was going to then go out and had a bunch of friends that wanted to start playing Blood Red Skies. So it's a perfectly easy start. Um, you know, here, take some Mustangs, take some 109s, take some uh, Spitfires, take some Yaks, uh, go paint some airplanes and go fly around. So uh, don't want to act like we're totally looking gift horse in the mouth, but it's just so funny that there is so much Bendy Plastic out there. That we're all trying to get rid of, and I, and I thought, I thought even me, I was like, I'm done with boxes of the A6 M50. Nope, nope. Did inventory today? I still have two boxes of Bendy Plastic Zeros. So, <laughs> don't piss off the Lead Pursuit podcast. We'll send you Bendy Plastic. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so uh, anything else in the Blood Red Skies tournament? Steve, you want to gloat in your second place finish? No, you know, I thought it was cool. It's uh, you know, Mike Lewis again was in so that, you know, he was at NashCon. He was at Siege of Vicksburg. Uh, you know, obviously, Don, good to see him again. Another couple new people. Uh, we also had a, the the one guy from Airdrome who came over Saturday morning, you know, seemed to get into it. Uh, I don't know. It's just always cool when you can you can see those new people start to pop up in some of the events. Yeah, yeah. You should have wore your medal around, especially when we went over back to the main. Yeah, I don't hall. know why you weren't representing you know, with walked... all the 40k players with their medals. You know, know. like look, I felt look like me, I got a medal I too. I just felt like you know, if it's only the small amount of people that played in the <laughs> tournament, I, I don't know that I, I don't know that it carried the same weight. You know, look at me, I, you know. I, I beat five other people, but they all use deodorant. So yeah, you know. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, sometimes you're a big fish in a small pond, but you got to take advantage of that when you can. All right, so we finished up with that, took a quick break, slammed a bottle of Gatorade, uh, drove over to the uh, the Schaumburg to where all the cool kids were hanging out, unlike us uh, dusty historical people, and we set up for the Aeronautica Imperialis uh, narrative game. Now, I got to say, uh, we did not initially plan to host a game like this at Adepticon. We'd kind of started getting into AI after we'd already registered for Adepticon, figured, my God, somebody in the Games Workshop world is going to host this event. Uh, and guess who volunteered to do it? Well, us idiots. Um, but I thought it was super fun. Ten players, five maps. Holy shit, I've never seen that many freaking little plastic air or little plastic and resin airplanes for 40K. <laughs> I think the average player brought three armies. You guys agree on that? What were some of the numbers you guys saw for what people showed up to bring to play? <laughs> I mean, we got to just talk about the one dude. We got to talk about Steven. Who, so, so we got to talk about Steven, Steven who you, showed up you, with. You're our favorite, but you also kind of scare us a little bit. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I, I, I think mean, you like Aeronautic Imperialis <laughs> just a little bit too much. <laughs> so just to get the numbers correct, uh, he said that he had enough spaceships for 20 seven people to have a 250 point army 
I believe that was correct, right? Oh, oh, and, and he was quick to caveat, but I'm sorry, they're they're not all painted to the three color minimum. <laughs> I'm like, I really don't care at this point if that many people could play from just the miniatures you have in that that Home Depot box. We're in. <laughs> You're on. Our- I mean, and you want to you want to talk about just passion for a oh, game, yeah. man? This guy loves this game, and he was super nice, yeah. super helpful to like me and Brett, who never really played before. Just super nice guy, super excited about the game. But there were a lot of spaceships at this oh, event. And that's, and that's why I laughed, because guys like Steven are what makes a community. And people that show up, and, and they're not, not just bringing their little pretty army, they're bringing stuff for everybody to play because they genuinely love playing. Um, that made me already feel good about the crowd for AI. Because let me be honest, you know, being a heresy guy, I was already a little snobbish about playing with 40K players. Uh, and then going into AI, I just wasn't sure what cross-section of 40k and and heresy kind of players we were going to get so um when when steve is the first guy to roll up to the table i'm like oh thank god normal people people who just like painting their models and playing games (laughs) people that aren't going to yell at me um so it was it was cool to have that whole crowd show up and then everybody who showed up even you know the the people that were kind of apologetic they're like only brought two armies <laughs> you know they, it was uh it, it was really cool to to have that group there so you know we played a lot of different stuff with terrain with some wacky rules in there um and and some constrained rules uh i enjoyed watching uh although brett and i uh we 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 got beat up we we got uh the ringer took her took us to her table and and beat us up didn't she brett yeah I think I was taken advantage of a little bit, maybe. <laughs> well, see, Steve had been beaten up at NashCon, so it was not Steve's turn in the barrel. It was it was our turn to play Rhonda, and it was so funny because I laughed watching the first game with you. I'm like, oh, she's going to school Brett, and this is going to be painful. And and I think, I think in the first or second turn with Rhonda, the gloves came off because she pretty much punched me in the face. And, and I don't remember if she shot down one of my fighters or if she, it was just, the, oh, it was the first blood. She, she did the first damage. I had just rolled horribly, had missed all of my long and medium range shots at her. And then she gets the first damage on me. And I'm like, oh, fuck no. Oh, this is not fucking happening. And so the gloves came off and I was a thoroughly terrible opponent. And I just beat the living snot out of her, I think. Uh, but, <laughs> but it was one of those moments where um, I, I just laughed because it was it was fun to play that game on the side and not be a part of the, the main games, but to sit there and, and to get to play you know, one of our favorite opponents um, to go play against, to, to play against Don, Don's wife, Rhonda. So um, everybody else was over playing on some, some crazy terrain tables. I think we had the, the most reasonable table because there was nothing other than, uh, than just the map to work with. Um, but I learned a lot as an event organizer because AI is very different than Blood Red Skies, and we'll talk in detail about it in a separate episode. But uh, there were some tables that just didn't work for some armies, so I, f- I felt bad for a couple guys because they're like, "Yeah, I had a lot of fun." Uh, the second table, I just couldn't compete on because of the rules, the special rules, the weather, whatever. Um, so, so some lessons learned there. Some ways we'll have to take a look at our, our AI events, uh, but. You know, it was, it was a great bunch of people to work with. I, I think we learned a lot uh, for how the AI events, um, how your player lists are different. I know, Brett, we'd always, we talked about, you know, distinguishing aircraft. And I think you've taken that back to kind of be part of your painting scheme for AI that I really need to be able to show which aircraft is which because they're going to be much more customized than Blood Red Skies. They're going to have special weapons. They're going to have special defensive systems. 
Um, you know, it's it's kind of a there's not a pilot skilled disc sitting there on the on the on the base. So you really have to distinguish your aircraft. Yeah, a lot of my a lot of my aircraft all look essentially the same. So that was kind of my, one of my big takeaways was putting some kind of marking on them so I can distinguish one from another. And then I also got kind of a cool hobby idea from another a Suriani player who changed his bases. You know, the bases that come with the aircraft look very imperial with the rivets yeah, and everything yeah. on them. And he had modified his bases in a way to make them look a little bit more sleek, I guess. I mean, there's there's like aftermarket bases and all that <clears throat> that are maybe more faction specific. And you know, I wasn't prepared to go that far, but just the way he, uh, I did what he did. I, he uh, filed off all those rivets and. Painted so you're them saying he had the less... well groomed base? <laughs> it was yes, it was Eldar scaped. <laughs> yes. So I adopted that for my. I just finished that project today. In nice, fact. nice. My bases are still an absolute shit show uh but i'll get around to painting those things putting a priority on the Dude, as much as it pains pains me to say it like for everybody to hear though doug you did the terrain you did for those tables was fantastic i mean the terrain was awesome the tables look so cool you know you're so used to blood red skies with just like you know the the plane mat with maybe a target or two flat targets on it Man, you, you did just an awesome job on that scenery and the terrain. They were, it was really fun to play on those tables with all that cool looking stuff. Yeah, I was I was hoping that people enjoyed it and it that it gave a little bit of a sense of scale because the tough thing with you know blood red skies altitude doesn't really play in. It's kind of modeled into your advantage level, but altitude is important in Aeronautica Imperialis, and so you want it to feel like whatever terrain is there towers above the fighters if if they can't fly through it. Um, so we tried a couple different things. We, and we had, you know, some other, uh, add on aircraft, some shuttles and some evacuation missions that, that then, uh, Steve and I played, uh, again on, I guess it was Sunday, uh, afternoon we played and that was fun. Sorry to waffle stomp you, but it's not personal. <laughs> um, but, uh, but that was, you know, I, I enjoyed doing the train. Uh, Casey did some of the train as well. So some of the shuttles and some other stuff were done by him. Um, and, I'll be honest, my favorite one to build, although it took me the longest and it was the the most uh, technically challenging, not from a painting, but just from an assembly point of view, uh, was that Sky Fortress. Um, and, and getting that thing to where it's at least somewhat transportable, but I can also, you know, put it on the table and, and uh, have it sit out there to dominate the center of the table. Uh, Brett, I think you played, uh, did you play a game on the Sky Fortress one? Yeah, I got to play on that table with a guy who's a really experienced player, plays all the time, and we both had an awesome time on that with that Sky Fortress. Um, yeah, it was super thematic and really fun for both of us. Yeah, so I think there's some time. tweaks we'll it make to those great. scenarios uh, for those people that have had that are AI players that have had to suffer through all of this part of the podcast talking about BRS. Uh, for for the AI players, I'm going to um, package those scenarios together, put them out uh, in the Facebook groups in case anybody wants to use them, um, because we did make tweaks from the standard ones in the campaign books or that Games Workshop put out. So uh, they're slightly tweaked uh, in an attempt to make them a little more you know, event play balanced. Um, but, uh, you know, once again, we, we'd love to hear any feedback, especially, you know, we talked to everybody at the event, everybody enjoyed it. But obviously, when you think about it after the fact, you might go, you know what, you should change the victory point values for the shuttle or whatever. Um, and, and, you know, we'd always love to hear that feedback so we can make the next AI event, which there will be many, um, the next AI event that we host, uh, make it better. So hopefully you guys, both y'all enjoyed playing it. 
Oh, it was great. And, you know, we've always said about Blood Red Skies, it's a great game for people who don't know how to play to just hop in. And even like, oh, coming to the tournament, nobody cares. It's just fun. Everybody will help. I was really nervous about getting into an AI tournament just because it's a much bigger group of people and didn't know who you were going to get. I can say 100% the same thing. Like Brett was talking about, there were a couple of real experienced players that were, oh my God, just super helpful, learned so much from them. And it just seemed like it has the same feel kind of as Blood Red Skies, where if you have any doubts about playing, just just find somebody to play with. I think the community is pretty pretty good bunch of dudes. Yeah, I think it, you're going to have a good time. It does. It seems like it's a really cool subset of the 40K and Heresy community. And it's it seemed like a lot of experienced gamers. So it was people that had already played a lot of 40K, a lot of other things. Uh, and they weren't there to just smash face, although although there was the double Thunderhawk list at one point, <laughs> which I'm glad I didn't play against for 250 points. Uh, poor poor Steven, our Tau player, got drug across the board by that that Thunderhawk list. Uh, but there there were just a lot of really cool people, and so I was super excited to get around gamers that were as excited about the 40k narrative and fluff and and lore as as I was but weren't these super competitive just there to to smash your face in kind of players uh, people that wanted to have a good time wanted something challenging with a, with a scenario um, and more importantly wanted to just kind of hang out with a crowd so that was a lot of fun um any uh, any other takeaways I know we played a lot of AI on our own I know you guys played a game against each other I played Brad I played Steve um, I really enjoyed that guys. Thanks. Thanks for being my, uh, you know, punching bags and my, my, uh, you know, jousting dummies. I appreciate that. Um, not that I'm any great master of aeronautic imperialis. I think I got lucky. <laughs> I think I, I jinxed Joel's dice. Um, but, uh, I really have enjoyed playing it. So for the warlord games crowd, I'm sorry. We're going to talk about AI. Uh, in some upcoming podcasts. And for the AI crowd, you will have to endure some Warlord games and some dusty old historical stuff, but we will talk AI. So, All right. Saturday night. What did we do Saturday night? Did we go to dinner somewhere? I, I'm just seeing Steve laugh, so there there has to be a story here. We went where I, I guess everybody went. Well, everyone see. cool went, apparently, because uh, everyone there was having a nobody, good time like we were. Yeah, nobody from the uh, from the con. I, yeah, I don't think I saw a single person with a medal around their neck or with a stinky Warhammer 40k T-shirt. Yeah, I mean, that play. I don't know whose idea it was to go there, but if you're ever in, a, I guess Schaumburg, and you're looking for if, somewhere if to go on a yeah, Saturday night, Schaumburg on Saturday night, Fat Rosie's. Fat Rosie's is the place to go. Great Mexican food, great margaritas. Now, I must say, you know, I I admit I'm a connoisseur of tequila and margaritas and things like that, and and I I'm open to new things. I have never willingly said surprise me when it comes to margaritas. But you you Steve, you looked right at the waitress and said surprise me. Bold move. Hey, she she looked like she knew what she was talking about. She, she did. Hey, she she took you know, care of you. The, the first one was was, was was a pineapple margarita, and that that uh, obviously did well. The second one was a guava margarita. How did how did the guava treat you? I'll be honest, I don't even know that I, <laughs> you I couldn't still don't taste think it I know that what point. guava is. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Hey, it was, it was good. It was. I didn't get a free one like Brett. Yeah, I Brett mean, got the free margarita you know, out of the whole deal. That, that I kind of laughed about that. I mean, 
Look at me. Come on, guys. You know, you've been around me long enough. <laughs> <laughs> These are fishbowl margaritas too, right? They were big old margaritas. They, they were not tiny. And so that was was the funny part as I was waiting to laugh at you all that oh, look at these suckers in their big margaritas and and my beer came in that size my draft beer was the size of this fishbowl margarita I'm like oh this could be a one beer night <laughs> so yeah it was it was a good time so if you're bored on a Saturday night go to Fat Rosie's uh, there were lot of lots of people uh, drinking lots of alcohol there having a very good time singing songs that we didn't know the words to. Uh, and I think the funniest part was we all looked at the, at the Google maps, uh, readout and it said closes at 10 PM. Uh, the party was still going strong when we left at 10 30, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. They weren't shutting down anytime that soon. That place did not close yeah. at 10. <laughs> they, so just they, ignore that. Yeah. So in case you're scared off <laughs> by the fact that Fat Rosie's closes at 10, it does not close at 10. <laughs> fireworks? I mean, they had fireworks going off inside, yeah. right? Yeah. Or like Roman when, candles when you, walking when around. When you're singing, I mean, walking around with a, with a, a sparkler and Roman candle. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's a great night. With the airplane full of shots. Remember so, that? so exactly. Fires. The airplane full of shots. Now, now here's what we have to bring. We have to throw this out to to the community because we're community guys we care about the community we feel inspired we saw this airplane full of shots go by at one point and i'm not sure what the occasion or how you end up being the person condemned to have a airplane full of shots go by but we think this needs to be incorporated into the lead pursuit podcast events in the future that something historical we're not saying a, an airliner of shots but maybe a b17 perhaps even a b36 uh, with with a wing load of shots needs to be at some of our events. We haven't figured out if it's a penalty or a bonus <laughs> that you take the shot. Yeah, I think maybe we should, that should be like a poll. Like, let's put out a poll of what the shot-carrying airplane Ooh. should be. Well, I, I mean, I, maybe I, like a I, C-47 is more fitting. C-47 is pretty fitting. I, I think it's a two-parter. I think, I think the community absolutely has to weigh in on the airframe. But more importantly, they also have to weigh in on the rules. Is it is it a penalty? Or if you do well, do you have to take shots to reduce your ability to do well? So if you finish a round of the, uh, um, of the tournament and you're in the top three seats, you do a shot because hopefully you'll do worse in the next round of the tournament. <laughs> uh, so who knows? Up to you, the community. And aeronautica players, you're in on this too. Maybe we'll build a large space barge. Yeah, Thunderbolt <laughs> yeah, exactly. or something, right? We'll build a, one of the big, uh, what is it? Not the not the Pathfinder, but the... Valkyrie? Uh, yeah, something. Build, Vendetta gunship with Marauder. Shots. We need yeah, a Marauder I mean. bomber with, with shots on the wings. So big Marauder bomber. All right, that's going to get us in so much trouble. All right, so let's continue on. Sunday, uh, should have been a day of recovery, but no, we rolled right back in. Um, played some more Blood Red Skies. Obviously, Sunday, everyone's wrapping up, but uh, because we're gluttons for punishment, we stuck around till Monday. So Sunday was our opportunity to um, pick up a couple extra things. Uh, the team over at uh, Table War was awesome. They uh, they went back into their uh, warehouse, found me one of their Aeronautica mats. Um, so I got to bring that out and play on that and take some photos on that. Um, and if you're an AI player and you have not seen their mats, the same crowd that does fat mats and everything else. Uh, their aeronautica mat is pretty cool. Um, so we got to do some vendor hall stuff, got to do another quick BRS game, uh, knock that one out, do a little uh, carrier strike type of uh, type of routine. Super appreciate the two of you uh, doing that demo game. 
Uh, at that point, my demo game bucket was full, and I really just wanted to sit around and drink a cup of coffee. Uh, so thanks for uh, for taking that, <laughs> taking that on. Uh, yeah, yeah, health and comfort, health and comfort. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of guys got out of there on Sunday and the historical team was there to take care of us. Uh, so that was, uh, that was a super cool kind of finish to the event. Uh, anything else for Sunday that you guys want to bring up? Nothing, nothing at all. <laughs> you're all, you're all waiting to see who's going to jump on the grenade first. Okay. Well, none of us are going to talk about it. So that's good. No, uh, actually there's something we have to talk about there. Uh, you know, I found like a new, uh, BRS bromance that lives only like 40 minutes away now, right? So that is true. Just by dumb luck, huh? Yeah, so I, I, I laughed player. that new player uh, lives right around the corner from you, so you have no excuse to not play in person. Uh, yeah. Now we're back in uh, in the gaming era. I'm going to start playing my campaign rules that I wrote with Brett with him in person, and Brett's going to get all salty He's going to get all jealous, you know? He's going to cry. Yeah. He's going to cry in his fruity drink down there in Florida. There's a meme for that. Is it like that guy that's just like standing around in the like? Yeah, it's gonna be you standing around the pool by the swing set, you know, on the bench. I wonder when I'm gonna play my campaign Wait. system next. I think more appropriately is that meme with the girl, and I'm the guy in the middle looking at my new yeah. BRS friend strolling the opposite. Your new way. BRS BFF, you know, that's what it's gonna be. Uh, yeah, that guy picked up on the game really quick, so he's not gonna. You're not gonna come away, you know, with a win as much playing him. So you know, be prepared to. You're going to play him, he's going to whip you more, yeah. and you'll, you won't will you feel so powerful. <laughs> I'll come crawling back, is that what you're saying? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. You'll, you'll, you'll learn to appreciate me better. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay, so, so to wrap it up, um, one of the big thank yous that absolutely has to go out is, is to the entire Adepticon staff. And it's always been fun for me to go to Adepticon as just a gamer just someone playing. I've never had to host an event there. I've never really interacted with the staff other than picking up my swag bag and my badge. And their volunteers there have always been great. But it was cool to get a peek behind the curtain as an event coordinator. So the Adepticon staff was super professional, super helpful. Um, it, it was awesome. Even even the Adepticon app that everybody else was using that told you, you know, when games were going, what your schedule was. Uh, for us staff members, it showed us what tables we had to had to assigned to us that we could play on uh it was it was really awesome you know i was a dummy and so i had my staff stuff in a different email than my uh, my actual um game badge so i had to go up to every 40k guy and go hello there mr 40k player can you can you help me find what table i should be on for aeronautica uh, but <laughs> but at least everybody was was pretty helpful about that um the GW event coordinators that worked with us. So the guys that did Kill Team, we shared tables with Kill Team. They were super cool, um, and that was awesome to get to, to stand there and talk to those guys and say, "Hey, you know, we're gonna we're gonna roll in, we're gonna move some stuff. Uh, are you guys good with it?" Um, and then you know, GW prize support. We 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 picked on Warlord, uh, GW right out of the gate. Uh, two uh, Aeronautica boxed starter sets was was their their buy in um, for what they gave the Aeronautica guys. Kind of ironic because everybody already had starter set armies, <laughs> so uh, so it was kind of funny to see who needed who did not need the uh, the GW prize support. Um, but either way, GW rolled strong on that. And if you've never if you've never seen behind the curtain and never walked into the prize support staff area to see what GW and the other game uh, game companies have provided, it's amazing. I mean, there's literally a 
small, you know, back closet full of all the stuff that's been been donated by the companies. So um, thanks to GW, thanks to Warlord, thanks to all the companies that went out there and gave prize support. Uh, really appreciate it at a big event like that. Now, um, as much as I say that I love 40K, I, I have to give props to the historical side. Um, so the guys like Mike Rafferty, Don Ayers, uh, both those guys on the historical team, super helpful, um, super straightforward with where our tables were, what our layout was. Uh, we had tons of room. Uh, it was cool to share with Tyler from No Dice, No Glory. Uh, he was doing all the, uh, the Firelock demo games there. So it was cool to be in a space with a, another uh, company that wanted to have fun and not just be a bunch of boring, you know, competitive style gamers. Um, so we had fun with those guys. Uh, and, and the Hyatt, what did you guys think of the Hyatt overall? I mean, as a hotel, I mean, I, I realized we weren't at the main venue, but I thought it was a pretty nice setup. Yeah. I mean, there was that restaurant right there and the nice bar right yeah, down 75 the feet from our tables. There was a Starbucks, a restaurant and a bar. So I can't exactly complain. It'd be further to go from our tables to the bar and the restaurant in the, in the Schaumburg uh, Renaissance. So, you know, who knows if they'll do the the historical exile again next year? Uh, you know, who knows how it's all. Was that kind of a because of COVID? Yeah, that, that was that was really the impetus yeah. to it was they didn't know what the restrictions on the amount of people that could be in the main space. Uh, so they had sought an alternate venue, um, even though when we all saw the photos of the outside of the Hyatt, we're like, oh, my God, is this a prison? Uh, but on the inside, it was obviously much nicer than the photos of the outside, uh, and it was well laid out. So um, obviously next year, there's a lot of cool things that, uh, you know, we've been talking about doing, uh, you know, me and then Mitch Reed from No Dice, No Glory. We've been talking about areas that we can all uh, kind of collaborate and do some uh, some cool uh, dual podcast kind of things and, and host some live events there. Um, but overall, I thought the historical exile was not terrible with the exception of... What sucks terribly? The shuttle. The shuttle. Yeah. The shuttle blew. Um, you guys tried to catch it at one point, right? Oh, that was a nightmare, man. I think I got swindled worse than Brett with that motorcycle <laughs> from the hotel valet. I mean, <laughs> I'm pretty definitely, sure I definitely paid worse. the guy to do what he was supposed to do for free for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The shuttle was just bad. It yeah. was bad. That, that was, that was man, if there's... I, I literally had no complaints for the weekend because I didn't ride the shuttle. I, I chose to drive. And what I'll say is if if they do the historical exile um, and you have an option to take your car, don't worry about finding parking. You you can do the spin around the lot once or twice, and you'll find parking over at the Schaumburg Renaissance. Um, so don't take the shuttle. And my recommendation to Adepticon is I, I, know, I know there was a push for the shuttle, but... It, it didn't work out for us. So, um, you know, finding finding more parking next to the Renaissance uh, is kind of the answer there because I thought that worked out fine for us. Uh, even when I had to drop you guys off like, hey, kids, go have fun at the pool. <laughs> Dad's dropping you off. <laughs> um, but, but most times it, it wasn't too terrible. You could park out back in the vendor area and just try not to freeze your nuts off before you walked inside. But anyway... Uh, anything else big picture from Adepticon you guys saw that you'd like to bring up or talk about? Man, if you've never been there, I mean, you just got to go. I mean, it's, it's an insanely awesome event. Like you were saying, all the hosts, the historical side, both sides. Were, I mean, if you've never been to Adepticon as a gamer, you have to go. It's just amazing. 
Yeah, and so what's this other content we might be showing here uh, and talking about in the next uh, episode or two? Oh uh, yeah, we have a we actually had some non gamers show up to Adepticon to kind of give an outside perspective on all of us nerds and weirdos and dorks <laughs> that get together and play. There's these a lot games. of stinky uh, people around here. <laughs> yeah, so I think I think they had you know some cool advice to give to us as gamers. And uh, but yeah, if you've never been to Adepticon, this was my first one. I'd heard you guys talking about it. I took the plunge, and uh, it did not disappoint. Just an awesome time. Awesome, awesome. Brett, any last minute thoughts? Yeah. I'm- I'm just so glad Steve went. It was cool to be with him for his first time to uh, Adepticon. You're just happy to pop his cherry. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah. This is only my second time. So, you know, 2019, I was in the same boat, right? Just kind of just stunned by all the stuff, the vendor hall, all that stuff. So anyway, it was fun. And uh, I hear Leslie in the UK, he's interested in maybe coming over. We were talking to him at happy hour and it sounds like he's already, you know, the wheels are already turning. It'd be kind of cool. You can imagine that. Some folks coming from another continent yeah. to come to Adepticon oh, yeah. and hang out with us. That'd be awesome. I think we'll uh, we'll have a good uh, BRS crowd at the next one. You know, there's, there was a lot of moving parts for this one, uh, and it was uh, there was a lot of questions about how things were going to be done. So next year should be a lot more normal, uh, a lot more standard, uh, and kind of be in co- everyone's comfort level. So I think that will be, um, you know, that that'll mean there's much larger attendance uh, than there was this year, uh, but. You know, here's the funny thing about cons like uh, like Adepticon. You need to go see them. It's not everybody's scene. I'll be honest. Sometimes it is a huge crowd. It's a pain in the ass. Parking can be tough. You know, it, the vendor hall's crowded. That may not be your scene, but it's worth going to at least see all the different games that are played and and see them all in one big area. Um, so I, I think it's it's definitely a lot of fun. I'm just glad that on the drive to the airport. Brett didn't pipe up and go, you know what we ought to do is start another podcast. So no more good ideas from the good idea fairy. So that, that worked well. Uh, although we should do an Oak and iron oh God, podcast. I'm not buying any more <laughs> damn games, but, but you know, the good thing was I, we had our revenge. So, so I had, I had my revenge watching you do the sea bag drag, watching you drag all of your suitcases, uh, on the train and, and up the, the elevator and around to, uh, to get checked in. Uh, that made me feel warm inside as you suffered for all of that VIG gear you had to take back. <laughs> yeah, that's something we have to seriously consider on future future Adepticon trips with all the stuff we have to bring for you know the events we're going to run and everything. We're going to have to consider a different way of getting our stuff to and from because uh, I got to have room to get back with my... My swag, yeah, right? Yeah. Well, and and it's something that we'll have to think about, especially for Aeronautica. That is a little more terrain intensive than uh, than Blood Red Skies. But as each of these events gets larger and we have more mats to carry and more things to do, um, this year for me it was tough supporting two game systems because I I had a fair number of mats. Thankfully, you guys uh, brought some mats as well, so it made my life easier. But um, and then bringing swag. How how could we not talk about our own Lead Pursuit swag? How how do we fail to talk about this? Steve, Steve, you left me hanging. No, no, you know, I mean, I think, I think if you sign up for one of our events, you know, we might be a group of a couple, couple of screw ups here, but uh, if you sign up for one of our events, you're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna go home with something cool at least, right? So you know, we gave away the the whiskey glasses and some t-shirts and stuff. So you know, we want to make sure everybody has a good time too. And I think by and large, everybody, everybody did, and they liked what they went home with. So it was a, it was a great weekend. Yeah, it was it was funny that you were the guy that showed up with the heaviest bags at the start, and then with the empty bags as 
as uh, we're all going home. So, yeah, you know, I was I was really happy with those glasses. Somehow I managed not to steal one myself. I'm a absolute moron, uh, but that's fine. <laughs> I'm sure we'll do that again at, at some other event, uh, maybe at Crucible or one of the other ones. We'll do uh, do some more glass swag. Um, well, guys, we've been chatting for, geez, almost an hour and a half now. Um, really appreciate you guys coming on tonight and recapping what we did for Adepticon. Uh, and we'll have more of the Adepticon stinky gamer humor uh, over the next weeks with our uh, our discussions with the novice gamers. Um, but uh, any last minute thoughts? Anything you'd like to leave uh, the community with? Nothing? You guys got nothing? Wow, this is the quietest you guys have been. This is amazing. All right, so we'd like to thank everyone for listening. Uh, please go out there and like and review our podcast, especially on iTunes. Uh, we'd also like you to go out there and leave us some feedback. So... If you think we're a bunch of losers because we're now playing a Games Workshop game again, you can say that. And you can tell us that. And you can say it on Facebook. You can say it on Instagram. You can even say it on our website where we have a contact form. You can tell us what losers we are. But by golly, we enjoyed Aeronautica Imperialis. So until the next time when we talk about Aeronautica Imperialis, Blood Red Skies, and more Aero Wargaming, thank you for joining the Lead Pursuit Podcast. Today.